0: Running a business is a tough and lonely journey. Welcome to the Executives on the Frontlines podcast where business owners and C-suite executives like you will get real answers to your everyday business problems. I'm your host, Jeff Palaccio, and together we will learn from senior leaders who have occupied every top box of a company's org chart for every size organization and who like to roll up their sleeves while checking their egos at the door. Welcome to Executives on the Front Lines. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Yeah. So you're, uh, you're, uh, I'm in Kansas City. You're in lovely
1: Dallas, Fort Worth, right yeah. between, right yeah. close to DFW Airport.
0: Yeah. Maybe after this, I can take a quick flight down there. We go to Billy Bob's together.
1: That would be that'd be fun. I love Fort Worth. Always happy to show off that wonderful town.
0: Yeah, it is nice. It is nice. What's the uh, I stayed at a a sales meeting, regional sales meeting down there, one of my companies and uh, the haunted hotel. Is it the stockyard?
1: Stockyards. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Bonnie and Clyde stayed there, too. Oh, wow. They actually did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now the real Bonnie and Clyde or uh, Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway?
1: Nope. The real Bonnie and Clyde were in this area. I'm like right outside of Grapevine, Colleyville, and uh, they robbed a bank in Grapevine too, or so nice. the lore is um, robbed a bank. I know that there was a, there was a fight outside of Grapevine, but they actually stayed at a room in the Stockyards Hotel, the real Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, did, nice. like-
0: love it, love it, love it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk about a little bit about fractional CFOs. But uh, Lisa, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, well, um, I'm a CPA by trade and I started out in public accounting and earn with Ernst way back when. Uh, but over time I worked for a uh, large, large fortune 100 companies. Uh, but I fell in love with privately held companies when I worked in the healthcare space. Um, just that, that was where I got to see the entire gamut of tax, accounting, HR, like what makes a business run? Um, and I can tell you the one thing they didn't teach me in college that I really wish that I had known is do you know how you learn a business or what I think the best way to learn a business is?
0: Oh, do you have I, any idea? Uh, th- um, well, <laughs> being right in the middle of the business or,
1: uh, <laughs> Read the contracts, read, read the dang contract. What, what are you, what, what are you obligated to provide? What are your rights? and Just read the contract, Whether especially when you go into a different industry, read the contracts with the clients, and that will get you uh, far and ahead of understanding the business and the business model. Um, But anyway, uh, when I was in the privately held space, that's when I fell in love with what I do now. And then my husband and I started our own business over a decade ago, manufacturing oil field equipment. And uh, I was able to utilize the, the HR, the accounting, the finance, all of that to kind of help us build build up our our company uh and exit. And then eventually um uh you know I I kind of looked around after being my own uh boss for over a decade. I I needed something else to do. And I still was excited about helping uh, privately held companies. And I'm one of those people that need to stay busy. Um, my husband honestly isn't. He can be happy just like sitting on our back porch, but I can't. Um, and so I started a consulting practice going out and helping privately held companies, um, you know, grow, get ready to sell, whatever it is they they need to do using the fractional CFO uh, role to do that.
0: Yeah, well, we're obviously going to dig uh, deep into that, but... Uh... So over a decade working with your husband and you're still married, is that correct?
1: We are, yes, wow. we are. And I tell you, you know, a lot of people have asked me about that because um, uh, working with your spouse and many family owned businesses will understand this is not the easiest thing to do. You're at home together, You go to work together. Um, So, you know, how do you manage that? Well, one thing we did was we drove separate cars to work because I needed my space away from him. And we're very different individuals. Um, I like to listen to country music or something else on the way to work. And he wants to listen to news radio. I tend to come into work later and work later and he would get up earlier. And so we kind of had our little anonymity by and separation by being at work um, and and driving to work separately. The other thing, though, that drove him crazy is we would come home and in the evening I would start asking him questions about, you know, projects or jobs or things we were working on and he finally had to say, time out, wait a minute, wait a minute, work ends at work, We're at home. Take your Lisa Cobb CFO hat off and you can save that question for tomorrow. And he had to put up some boundaries because I had a tendency to leak over more into our personal life, uh, you know, in that. So we had to put up some kind of boundaries around that to keep work at work to the extent that we could. Now, many times, you know, when you own your own business, I mean, you're, you know, princess and janitor at any given moment. Um, and so to the extent that we were able, we kind of put up some boundaries around when we could talk about work. So that, that, that was one thing that helped um, keep our marriage where we didn't divorce each other. You know what the other thing was? <laughs> he said he couldn't divorce me because I was the CFO and I knew where the money was and he didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, and uh, yeah, and I obviously, you uh, I think that's what a lot of people had trouble with with the pandemic and uh, starting to work from home. There was no transition time, you know, in the uh, pre-COVID uh, corporate life. You know, you drove home from an office, you know, most of us, and you had some, you know, decompression time. So that I love the way you know you you did the driving separately thing because that kind of allowed you to you relax listening to the little country music. He was relaxing, you know. <laughs> Yeah, listening to the, uh, talk news so yeah yeah we
1: drove together a couple of times and I mean you're together at home you're together in the car you're together at the office and it's like no 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 you know I mean you can love someone but you got to have your own separate space well
0: I think the the, uh, t- the question to start with Lisa's because got not everybody understands the, the fractional concept so what what is a fractional chief financial officer
1: it's when you can't. When a company is growing or has reached a size where it needs um, some additional help, some additional, um, you know, financial acumen coming in. And but 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 a CFO um, at a certain level is very expensive. And maybe you don't need one full time. You know, you need that help one day a week, one day a month. You know, it can vary from a certain number of hours to a certain number of days a month um and you don't need a full-time person nor can you afford a full-time person or it would be a you know not an efficient use of your cash um and often privately held companies have incredibly good staff i mean the staff at privately held companies the bookkeepers the accountants the controllers Are very, they know the business extremely well, but they're so tied up and busy in the weeds and what they're doing. And they may or may not have had and often have not had the, um, the experience for the more global strategy, big picture look, maybe some of the finance, debt covenants, um, you know, some of the other things that a fractional CFO can bring by coming in and looking at the, at the company uh, with a different pair of eyes. So it's a very efficient way uh, to bring in that expertise when you need it without hiring a full time person.
0: Yeah, so what is the you know, what is the process uh, when uh, a client hires you to come in to help them uh, in in the financial space?
1: You know, it 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 depends upon what exactly they're looking for, but generally, um, the process would be to come in and kind of understand the company. I would come in and look at their at their financial statements. Are their financial statements being prepared um, just as a uh, matter of fact, maybe because of its compliance and they have to? Or are they being prepared in a way and uh, in a, a timely fashion so that they're using them to make business decisions? I want to see what the financial statements, uh, what the process currently is. I look at their receivables. Are the receivables starting to age? I look at their payables. Are they looking? Are they using payables as a uh, good way to manage your cash flow? Um, look at the clients. Do they have heavy client concentration? Uh, are they at risk because they only have they have one large client or two, and if they lost that one or two, you know that could materially alter their business. Um, you know, those types of things. I do look at taxes. Um, are you filing your, your sales tax, your, your state income taxes, your federal income taxes? Look at those as well. Um, and then just sort of assess the business as a whole as to where they're at. The one of the main things I'm focusing on, if it's just a general CFO role, is really the relevance of the financial statements. Is the owner using the financial statements to make good business decisions? Often, um, owners know what they do. They know the manufacturing. They know the sales, whatever their product is. And um, as my husband would say, I mean, he did the manufacturing and I did the financials. He really never, until we did the company together, um, valued uh, the financial information. He thought, well, it's something we have to do in the past because he's been involved in other um, other ventures prior to us starting our own uh, company together. And he saw it more as just compliance, something you had to do for tax purposes. But, you know, he will even tell you now he understands the the fact that now uh, he could get good financial information. He could see whether or not a product line was making money um, and use the financials to make those business decisions and help you drive better decisions. And so um, looking to see what it is that would make a business owner and the management team be able to make more uh, more accurate financial decisions, make them more quickly uh, to drive the business where it needs to go. Um, I can be incredibly great, but I have to have you have to be doing something for me to be good at what I do. I mean, I, I need I need the uh, you've got to make the sausage for me to make it better.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> What are some unique challenges? Because I, I would assume you work with the privately held companies more so, right? Because just because yes. of the size. So what, what are the, the unique challenges in the privately held space?
1: You know, the, the challenges are primarily um time to a large degree, because as I said, the owners are so focused on growing the business and and you know, and making sure that everything's going right in their in their plant or whatever, whatever type of business it may be, that, that's their primary focus. And that's what they know. They're not accountants, they're not uh financial uh people and executives. And just finding the time and carving it out to um, to take a step back and look at their business, um, and ultimately, when they do, they realize that um, that the, that having that dot that information can make them uh, uh, make their lives so much easier. But when you've never done that and you've never actually looked at the financials and used it, just that initial carving out a bit of time um, to to understand how it can make your life easier.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest mistake I've seen with P- uh, companies that hire uh, fractional CFOs. One, they think their controller can do the, the job. And then two, they hire someone who says they're a fractional CFO, but they're really uh, a controller. And yeah. And don't yeah. have the depth of experience. What do you think is the kind of co- the mo- top two, top three uh, most common problems you see when you walk in the door of a new client?
1: Um, Many, many times clients have not really spent any time thinking about job costing or product costing. I had one client uh, that was actually losing a bit of money and they had two product lines and they really didn't know which product line was more profitable. Were they both losing money? Was one profitable? Was one really losing a lot of money? And you know what, what owners can do is you can actually sell yourself out of business. If you're selling a product line or pushing a product line that is actually costing you money and reducing your margins, the more you sell of it, the worse it gets. And, you know, uh, job costing uh, gets a little bit of a bad rap because um, in the accounting world, it can be incredibly precise. But the great thing is like, I understand and so many, uh, CFOs at Exec HQ have worked in the uh, uh, in the business world have been entrepreneurs and we understand you can't let what's the say you can't let perfection be the uh, what is it? I can't let perfection be the enemy of good right And so in a perfect world with a large you know fortune 100 company, you would do all these things in job cost accounting or, or product ca- accounting. Um, but in the privately held space, you have to go in and at least start the process to understand what it is, how you're you're pricing your products and what your costs going into them are. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but the more you dig into it, the better it gets over time. And so many privately held companies really have not taken that step to understand um, their product mix and the cost associated with it. And that can be a huge uh, hurdle to uh, margin growth anyway. Um, so that that's one. I think utilizing uh, the, the cash flow and understanding you know, receivables and payables. I mean, there's a little bit of strategy that goes in there. What are you um, you know, uh, what, what, are, what What are you extending and, you know, how are you collecting and just kind of following that. But the other thing also is clients that uh, start for the first time, they've reached a level where they start getting some bank debt and they have bank covenants and they really don't understand some of these bank covenants and these ratios that get put into the debt covenants. And once you have a debt covenant, you need to start doing some forecasting to make sure that your forecast Uh, show that you're gonna be able to meet these debt covenants because if you're just doing it on the back end, it's like, oh, it's once a quarter. I need to report to the bank. Oh, we missed our debt covenant that can be an event of default. You need to know that ahead of time and kind of always be a little bit ahead of it. So I, I really think once you start getting debt with a bank, you really need to have some uh, a fractional CFO or someone with financial acronym to come in and make sure that you don't accidentally stumble. And, and the bank will often, you know, work with you, but it's going to cost you some money to do that to revise those covenants. You
0: use any kind of assessment tools when you go into a client, a new client. What 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 is that process like?
1: Well, we we have a couple of different tools that we can use, and we have two different assessments that we can use. But one thing, one, one assessment tool we use is we go in and we visit with the uh, with the owner and uh, go through a list of questions where they uh, answer uh, you know certain types of questions about how they feel about certain um, uh, areas of their business, things that keep them up at night, um, and, and and there's a whole tool that we go through and they ask they answer these questions, and at the end we we generate a report and that report kind of tells them a little bit more about their business, some areas that might be that they might have some weakness in. But the other thing it does for, uh, for for me and for the other fractional CFOs or any of the fractional folks that you utilize is it gives us greater insight into the business, what keeps the owner up at night, what he's worried about, how he feel or she how he or she feels about about the business. Um, and then you can like actually compare that to when you go in and you look at it. Well, the owner feels really good about this, but I'm seeing these other areas or the owner feels good about this. And I feel good about this. Those types of things where you're gauging what how they feel at their gut with what you're seeing, um, you know, certainly uh, helps you.
0: Yeah, what I love about that approach is, you know, you would expect you know a, a CFO to go in there and, and do the quantitative metrics, but the qualitative is is fantastic because it it gives you that gut check in terms of how, like you just said, how they're feeling versus what you you, you sense what they're feeling, right? And it just verifies that. Yeah, well, yeah, and,
1: and and they're the client, and we need to make sure that we're addressing. I mean, you know, it's off, it's off easy as a, as an accountant to go in with my list of what I think needs to be done, but you know, we need to handle what the client is worried about, what the client feels like needs to be done. That's really, that's really the key. And then if we discover something that is an issue for him, make sure he or she understands it, but understanding, um, the, the client, the owner's perspective and what they need to do is definitely paramount.
0: Yeah. Um, you have some fantastic accomplishments, Lisa, and we'll, you know, we'll publish your uh, link to your uh, entire bio in the episode. Uh, notes, you know, you were 2017 one of the top CFOs in uh, Fort Worth. Uh, that's fantastic. I mean, obviously, uh, a, a award for uh, jobs uh, well done type thing uh, and companies and the impact. But what do you think is your superpower when you go into a client? Like, obviously, you're such a good cfo but what what do you what separates you you think
1: um honestly i think it's because uh i i've walked in their shoes i've been an entrepreneur as well as a fit fa- in a family-owned business and you know i mean i'm not dinging consultants that have never uh, uh that have only been in consultancy practice because you know they bring their own set of skill sets uh but i will say that's something that differentiates me um, when I've talked to many clients, there's a little bit of a fear sometimes about or a hesitation about bringing a consultant in about perhaps a little bit of judgment. You know, they will expect me to do things this way, the, side, the, the way a Fortune 100 company would do, and, you know, and, and we're just not able to. Um, I know. I mean, I've started and been in a business that has grown from two employees, you know, up to a multi-million dollar business. Um, I understand that you, when you come in and, and you know, there are certain things you want to put into place, what the practicality is. Um, I understand what it's like to stay up at night worrying about making payroll. I understand what it's like to worry about making about a client loss. Um, so having actually and literally walked in uh, the shoes of an entrepreneur and an owner, um, as well as being in a, a small to a medium size, uh, privately held company, uh, the application of taking something that you need to do from an accounting perspective and putting it into a practical uh level for the size of business that that business is is something that i think sets me you know sets me apart or maybe makes it just an easier conversation perhaps yeah but i'd say that's my superpower
0: yeah anything else you would like to say about being a fractional cfo
1: just don't wait. I mean, I, I, I've never had a client that that uh, that uh, they've always said, and you know, not just me. I mean, all of my colleagues. So many of their their clients have said, "I wish I had done it sooner." Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. I have, having worked at numerous startups over the course of my career, we always waited too long to hire. You know, really powerful experience you know, C-suite executives. To well, and, and that's criticism. the great
1: thing about the fractional role is that, you know, you know, you can't, you don't have to hire uh, and bear that overhead, uh, which can be, you know, a bit daunting um, if you go the fractional route um, and let us help you grow until you need a, a full-time uh, CFO. And, and then we can help you, you know, find that right person. But, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a good cost-effective way to go.
0: Well, Lisa, I love your energy. Uh, of course, you're from Texas, so everything's you know better down there, and you're you're <laughs> one of the best CFOs in Texas. So there you go. But uh, thanks for being on uh, Executives on the Front Lines today.
1: I appreciate it, Jeff. It's been fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Executives on the Front Lines. If you are interested in learning more about today's guests, you can schedule a 15-minute call with them by scanning the QR code or using the link in the episode description. Please join me every two weeks to learn from another great leader sharing insight that can help you and your business.